you're a dog and you're in the pound and you're also a gangster. Yeah. You have a secret plan for tunneling out of the pound and the secret plan has a name. And one of the other gangsters says, hey, what's the name of the plan, eh? And then you tell them. This is the theme song at the start of the show. Stop wasting time on the theme song. Gonna watch a movie, got a thousand more to go. Stop wasting time on the theme song. Watching everything on Disney seeming like a chore. And since I started singing, they already added more. So stop wasting time on the theme song. Just tell us the name of the show. Bashy, the podcast for tennis shoes. See? What a terrible name for the show. It's worse than the theme song. Hello, and welcome to the Podcast War Tennis Shoes, the podcast where we watch and rank all 1,800 movies on Disney+. Plus. My name is Sean, and I am here with my two regular co-hosts, Bob and Rob, and my one irregular co-host, but not in a bad way, in a truly excellent way, Talia. Talia's <laughs> back, everybody. We didn't scare her away. Yay! How are you doing, Talia? Quite abnormal. Everything's great. <laughs> wow, that is abnormal. That's awesome. not at all like us. Every week we just moan <laughs> and complain about all the horrible things that are going on. Speaking of abnormal and horrible things, Rob, do you have anything to promote? <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't have anything to promote. Bob, how about you? Anything to promote? Uh, uh, nothing I can talk about. And something that isn't finalized. Ooh. All right. Well, I'm going to come back to that. Tune in to a future episode when Bobby can finally talk about whatever secret plans he's got going on. For now, I'll give a mysterious no. Can you put some emphasis in the mystery of the no? Yeah, a visual gag that will totally translate into the audio format of this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) No. No. Oh, listeners, he looks so (laughs) mysterious right now. You have no idea. Visually, I'm just in awe. Sean, what about you? How you doing? You got anything to promote? You know what's great? Sleep. I'm promoting sleep. I'm out here telling people you can't go wrong with sleep. Because since last week, I've had some sleep. I came back last week. I was in Cuba. And then I decided to not sleep for two days to try and edit a podcast episode Uh as well as doing all the other things I had to do. And that kind of didn't work well for me. We keep talking about this. People are going to have a record of my gradual descent into insanity. By the end (laughs) of the week, I was just completely out of it. I... I definitely needed some of that uh, backlogged sleeps. That's that sleep debt, I believe is what they call it. Uh, But I'm feeling better now because I did sleep over the weekend. So I'm all excited and ready to talk about our film. And in keeping with the fact that we have Talia back this week, we're talking about the sequel to our first film with Talia, The Shaggy Dog. And that is called The Shaggy D.A. 1976's, I believe, The Shaggy D.A. So this story just unfortunately continues. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Best way to describe it. Unfortunate for Talia. I I texted after watching this. We got a group chat. I texted everybody and said, why did we do this to you? Uh, Like, you're not going to come back if we make you watch, like, the Tim Allen remake. Or We have to give her a break at some point. We can't just keep forcing these horrible films on her. I'm sorry, Talia. You got got stuck into this, like, series that is just, uh, it's painful in a lot of ways. Were you looking forward to Italia? I kind of brought this on myself. <laughs> I was just 
I picked Shaggy Dog. I believe in Shaggy you Dog. You did, though. I thought it was because Sean said we couldn't watch Angels in the Outfield. Yeah, because it's not on there. Yeah. Oh, that's why. Did you write the letter? I did I did find a copy of a VHS for a dollar, and I thought of you. Problem is, is that I wrote the letter, and I addressed it to Bob Chapek. Now i got to send a new letter to Bob Iger. Sean, next time, just address your letter to Bob or Bobs with a, a pluralize it, and I think we should be okay. I think it's a prerequisite of the job to be hired as the CEO of Disney, is you need to be named Bob. So, Bob, you got a shot. There, there's hope for me. The person who hates, like, almost everything on the streaming <laughs> yeah. platform and most things they release. You're perfect. perfect. Yeah. To whichever Bob this may concern, please... At Angels in the Outfield. I'm in the running right now. My first promise is to you, Talia. Angels in the Outfield will be the first thing I do as president and CEO of Disney. You simply get it. All right. Well, before we get to talking about the movie, we do have a regular segment. You didn't know about this segment last time you were here because we've added it, Talia. Robbie, what's the name of this segment? Did anybody write a review this week? (laughs) Did anybody write a review this week? We do have a theme song, but... I edited it in in post, so Talia can't hear it unless I sing it, so I'm going to sing it for her. (laughs) Let's take a look. Let's take a peek. Did anybody write a review this week? Ding! Anyway, it's going to sound like that, but slightly better. (laughs) Why not just keep that? He does sometimes. (laughs) He he plays himself over it. He he likes his theme song so much that he sings it and then just plays himself over top of it. (laughs) If it works, it works. So we do have a review, Rob. We do actually have a review. Yes. Uh, this wasn't on the podcast app. It was actually a Facebook review. So thank you very much. I, I don't think there is a star rating on Facebook. Uh, so I'm assuming it's five stars because it's glowing. Um, it's from a, a guy named Jared uh, and said, somebody wrote a review this week. It was me. This show is brilliant. It is easily my favorite podcast. The sense of camaraderie. <laughs> camaraderie. I can't speak. That, that's nothing new. <laughs> <laughs> come, come, come. How do I pronounce this word? Now I'm on the spot. Cupboard. It's pronounced cum- Genuine chemistry between the hosts is electric, hilarious, and welcoming. My hero is really heroes, and my heroes are the Country Bears, but he crossed out the Country Bears and said the podcast wore tennis shoes. Thank you very much, Jared, including uh, the word that I forgot how to pronounce in in there. Um, I don't know why they get me to read these things off, because uh, I'm clearly the worst candidate for it, but uh, thank you so much. Uh, I'm not going to lie, when I read this review today, it actually warmed my heart a little bit, so thank you very much. That's I clicked on that guy's profile. And he's from uh, Tasmania in Australia. So I have a question for you guys. How old is too old to first learn that Tasmania is a real place? (laughs) Uh, I would say however old you are. (laughs) Okay, well then, um, moving on. (laughs) Um, I will fully admit, though, uh, for a very, very long time, I thought that that was made up for the Looney Tunes character. Like carrots. <laughs> like carrots. Thank you very much. I hope we get a second podcast listener from Tasmania. Well, after that, we probably won't. <laughs> after Sean tells everybody that he didn't know that it was a real place. It's, you're never too old to learn new things, Rob. You have to live totally your life fair. with a childlike yeah. sense of wonder. That's what Every I do. Every day's a school day. Like me, I just learned how to pronounce camaraderie. <laughs> If you would like to leave a review for us, you can do it on our Facebook page. You can also do it on the Apple Podcasts app. You can also email us at the podcast, wartennisshoes at gmail.com. Or you can just 
leave a note on my door. I won't tell you the address, but if you know it, you can find it, and I will read it out <laughs> on the podcast. Just ask me. Yeah, Talia knows. She can be easily bribed. All right, Talia, where's his address? Come on. <laughs> All right, well, getting to our main topic of the day, that is the Shaggy DA. Do we have to? Wow, I think we have to. We have to. We we made Talia watch it. Did you watch it, Talia? I got to check beforehand. You could say no. You could say that you didn't. I did watch it. I was reading up on the summary of the synopsis of the movie later, and I was like, wait, what are they talking about? So I had to like watch 10 seconds increments of like, when did this happen? When did this happen? I don't know why. Usually I'm really good for memorizing like the flow of a movie. You know what I mean? Did anyone else have this mm-hmm. issue? Yeah. Like that oh, ice yeah. cream man got so much screen time. Yeah, like an ice cream man is an entire <laughs> character for no reason. That's an entirely different film. It's an entirely different film called One Froggy Evening, directed by <laughs> Chuck Jones. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, so this was directed by Robert Stevenson, the great Robert Stevenson, the guy who directed everything for Disney for like 20 years. And in fact, this was his last film because he probably saw it and then went, <laughs> oh, oh no, fuck, and walked into the ocean and was never seen again. <laughs> he also directed The Great Mary Poppins. He directed Bedknobs and Broomsticks. He directed The Absent-Minded Professor, Son of Flubber, Herbie Rides Again. Oh, he also directed um, Blackbeard's Ghost that we talked yep. about on this podcast. With Dean Ooh. Jones. And Susan Plachette. I kind of feel like this dude was up for anything. Because it's kind of shocking to watch this and say, like, this is the same guy who directed Mary Poppins. Yes. To be perfectly <laughs> honest. So, Bobby, you just said, yeah, uh, Dean Jones and uh, Su- uh, Suzanne, what's her last name? Plushette. Like, they were in so many films together. Yeah. So many. I was just going through some of their f- filmographies on IMDb, and I was like, holy crap, how many times were they in movies together? This is the third time we've seen both of them, correct? Because it was the Blackbeard's Ghost. Yep. Um, and then we've seen him in Million Dollar Duck. She was in Adventures of Bullwhip Griffin, and now this is time three seeing both of them together again. I forgot that she was in Bullwhip Griffin. Very fortunate to forget that movie. They were paired together in The Ugly Dashens, I think, as well, as husband and wife. They, Yeah, they basically just went from one movie to the next. Is that film part of the Shaggy universe? <laughs> Let's get to the Shaggy universe, because I didn't really know about this until now. Talia, did you know about the Shaggy universe? I'm afraid to know. So there's, like, the Shaggy Dog, which we obviously know, and then there's this sequel, which is 17 years after the original. Yeah. In the 1980s, you have a made-for-Disney Channel movie, as which is what Sean referred to as an in-betweenquel, which takes place in between these two films. Then there's another Disney Channel made-for-TV remake, and then you have the Tim Allen remake, which looks to be a remake of i think both of the movies because unless tim allen is playing poochie at like age 13 like that movie doesn't make any sense all child actors should be represented by a 40 year old male <laughs> tim allen was like i could do it i yeah. could do it i'm a kid <laughs> <laughs> he like has his agent sending him out 14 to 25 we discussed this that's the age range i'm playing just grunting all teenagers are monosyllabic come on <laughs> In addition to what Bobby was saying, the Shaggy films are actually also part of the MCU. <laughs> and by the MCU, I mean the Medfield Cinematic Universe. This movie takes place in the town of Medfield. Medfield is a fictional town. It is also the setting of the absent-minded professor and son of Flubber, where he works at Medfield University. It is also the setting of the Kurt Russell trilogy, where he goes to school at Medfield University. On top of that, um, the actor who plays the villain in this, Keenan Wynn, who plays John Slade, uh-huh. played 
a reoccurring villain called Alonzo Hawk that was in both the Absent-Minded Professor franchise as well as the Herbie franchise. All of these apparently take place in the same cinematic universe with reoccurring characters and locations. Jiminy Christmas. Uh, he's um, <laughs> Edwin's son from Babes in Toyland, amongst everything else. And my memories version of Wizard of Oz. <laughs> Dorothy! <laughs> and this was uh, John Slade. I mean, it's a pretty, pretty decent name. Better than uh, the ice cream man uh, who was just called Tim. Because he, he was playing himself. Tim Conway was playing himself. <laughs> I assumed he's an ice cream man. Rob and I were chatting yesterday and I said this was a Moochie situation. Like, Tim was the Moochie of this movie. <laughs> we gotta get to the Moochie of it all. Where's Moochie? He's not in this film. What happened to Moochie? Because Dean Jones plays adult Wilby, right? And his whole family is no longer there. So what happened? Well, adult Wilby doesn't live with his brother. No, no, no. But, like, you would think he'd call up his brother and be like, hey, remember that time I turned into a dog? Yeah, it's happening again. Well, we remember what happened in the first movie. Uh, Moochie wanted to, like, keep him a dog forever and, like, <laughs> put a leash on him. I don't think he wanted Moochie involved in this dog situation ever again. He was afraid that he was going to get a leash put on him. That can't be solved in family therapy. They're not actually standing together at the end of the movie. Tim and his friend Buzz, you're left to assume that after the situation, he never spoke to his younger brother ever again would you no i assumed uh, that maybe they uh didn't get rid of all their chemicals and actually blew up the house with another rocket this time and they all died and it's just Wilby. uh he's the only one left alive his family he killed his family <laughs> he killed his <laughs> In family another rocket explosion <laughs> yeah exactly so poochie is all grown up poochie from yes, the first is. movie is all grown up <laughs> he's married to suzanne plachette and they have a kid and he's a lawyer he's after killing his family with those chemical experiments he's decided to give up weapons manufacturing and he's right. gone into law really want to point out that it's poochie that sings the opening song to this film oh yeah we do need to talk about that the spoken word song yeah. bobby how does this movie begin um you get another dog cartoon the original one was stop motion animation wasn't it with the fluff balls and like some animated dog this is all just cartoon dog with this platform promise about all the right-wing things he's going to do his heart stance on crime death penalty for all like convictions every time um but it's saying to this like kind of uplifting i'm the shaggiest <laughs> da you've ever seen it was a pretty bad song it's a pretty terrible song it reminds me of you got trouble from the music man it's very music oh. man-ish which was parodied in the simpsons with the monorail song uh, you know? yeah, yeah that's kind of uh, the yeah. vibe of this thing which is odd because the Music Man and the Monorail song are supposed to be about con artists. And I don't know why that's the vibe you would give to your, like, <laughs> political campaign your, song. Your hero. Is you want to sound like the Music Man? <laughs> the musical yeah. about a con artist? My whole thing about this this song is that it sets the it just tells you the whole plot of the movie like i'm will be and i'm also a dog and i'm running for da hence the title of the movie <laughs> that's it you don't need to watch it go home saving yeah. you an hour and a half not once does he utter the phrase or is his campaign slogan take a bite out of crime fucking hell <laughs> that is definitely a missed opportunity and that's all i took away from the credits they do call him man's best friend though to be fair they do find that the district attorney yeah they call in the song they call him man's best friend i don't know if i feel that way about my local da yeah well <laughs> You would if he was a dog. True. <laughs> Just okay. saying. The, uh, the credits that this film was uh, based off of are suggested by the book The Hounds of Florence. Yeah. Suggest I noticed that. <laughs> suggested by. <laughs> what does that even mean? I don't know what that means. There was a whiff of The Hounds of Florence. <laughs> the other thing I want to say about 
this song at the beginning, it's sort of diegetic because it's uh-huh. also his campaign song in the movie when he's driving around. It's playing yeah. in his car. And so, like, are those lyrics also part of the song that he created for his campaign in the movie? <laughs> I hope. Where he makes a bunch of dog puns. He's like, oh, I didn't foresee myself turning into a dog. That dog song was a bad idea. Maybe his entire life has just been like, he's just sneaking in dog puns uh, to like winkingly <laughs> nod at everybody. Just like, being like hey, remember that time I turned into a dog? And he's just giggling to himself. We get it. You used to turn into a dog. We get it. We get yeah. it. Do something new, Will we? Will we sure has a thing for dogs. It's really weird. <laughs> I want the campaign song to be full of dog puns. Why? Just do it. And then everyone goes to his house and like, he doesn't even own a dog. I don't understand. <laughs> yeah, what's going on? Anyway, that was probably a bad idea. <laughs> Mistakes were made. <laughs> <laughs> That's his press conference. That honestly should be the tagline of the movie. <laughs> Mistakes were made. Tally, what happens next after this song ends? We open up to the home and there's movers. Yeah, so it opens with movers taking all of the furniture out of Wilby's house. And Wilby's next door neighbor, an admiral, is coming out to greet these movers. Now, I do have a question here. And my question is... Who did Robert Stevenson live next to when he was growing up? Because how is it that in both Mary Poppins and this movie, there's a crazy admiral next door who can't distinguish between fantasy and reality and thinks he's always on a boat? Like, that's a very specific character trait that Robert Stevenson did twice. Uh, If I'm... Not mistaken, he probably very likely grew, possibly lived next door to a World War One or a World War Two Navy vet, and PTSD would not be diagnosed until the late 80s, early 90s. All right, so you just gave a medical answer to my ridiculous question that makes me feel like a fool now. Thank you very much, Bobby. <laughs> Our condolences to that man who lived next to Robert Stevenson. Yep. <laughs> so these robbers are actually taking everything from the house and acting like movers as they do it. They mentioned that they've been at it for six hours. Six hours. That's a big commitment to, like, rob a house for six hours. Hell yeah. In the middle of the day. And they barely get out of there. Like, they drive away just as Poochie pulls up. So, like, they cut it close. From what I gathered, uh, it seemed like these two guys were kind of part of organized crime, but they seemed to be a bit independent. They worked independent. Were they scoping out this place ahead of time? Or did they just happen to, like, knock on the door in their moving van and just be like, ah, this one's empty? Like, they didn't seem like the brightest criminals. I didn't know what their plan was, but it, it's amazing that it worked out. Well, they they had a moving van. Like, this was obviously an elaborate scheme that they had put together. I don't know, Talia, how do you think they did it? Honestly, if I was the captain, I would bring beer too. They sold it to me. Like, <laughs> <laughs> just commitment. That's how they did it. They just 100% commit. Yeah. If you walk in with confidence, you can do whatever you want. They have their overalls. They have a buddy. They have a van. And you just start taking the stuff. What are you going to do? Question them? The boys are working. Leave them alone. She literally just gave, like, Diego Luna's speech from Andor. So, like, I back it 100%. (laughs) (laughs) Like, they might have had some, like, Home Alone-style situation where they, like, scoped out the place in advance and they found out. (laughs) They showed up as movers. Hey, are you guys going (laughs) on a vacation anytime soon? (laughs) Looking in the window, like, so when are you leaving? Okay, so Willby comes home and everything's taken. He's very upset and he calls the police and he promises to um, execute whoever did this. 
Bobby, what did you think about this whole political campaign? As I kind of said, Wilby is shockingly right-wing. He is not upset that he seems to know the DA is a criminal, but he says he's going to be harder on crime. He's going to get convictions. And, like, things will go to trial. Yeah. Like, I was like, oh, he's... Punish people to the fullest extent of the law. People are getting the chair. Like, it's like life will reflect the dog kennels later on in the movie is, like, the world Wilby's going to create. <laughs> they are shockingly cavalier with murder in this film, as as we get into it. Both human and canine. Yeah. It's very disturbing <laughs> at times. Actually, that's one thing that was missing from the first movie is more guns, more threats of death. <laughs> what was the first one? Steely McArt dealer or something? We didn't really know his, what his plot was. This one, it's clearly, like, organized crime. And uh, there's definitely, yeah, there's, there's much more heavy overtones of it than it was in the first one. But they're so fun about it. They just steal everyone's stuff and keep it. Like, nothing happens with it. Yeah, like, later when they go to the museum, they're like, oh, is that valuable? <laughs> <laughs> I know, they're not even very good about it. No, they were just like, so, uh, Mr. Museum Man, uh, this ring, is it worth a lot of money? No one's going to seal it. Definitely not us. The two creepy guys who would be walking around this museum for no apparent reason. Case in the joint. But it's confidence. Cut to them with the ring. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're jumping ahead because it's so ridiculous. We got to get to that in order. Okay, Wilby is going to get tough on crime and he's going to run for DA. So he <laughs> records his campaign theme about him being a dog. We got we to gotta say the one thing, though. The one part that I actually really did like is the brazenness of the criminals to come back the same day <laughs> and then for whatever reason steal the clothes that they were wearing. They... Stole everything out of the house, but decided to come back the same night yeah. and take their clothes off their back. I, I actually got a chuckle out of that. I, it made me think, uh, like, okay, maybe there is a problem with this town <laughs> if people are getting robbed twice in, in a day. I think there's a problem with Wilby if he doesn't know how to lock his door. Yeah. What is going on? It's one thing when you're not home. He, he he has to he has to take care of his own castle before he starts running for DA. Like what's going on here? So then uh, he runs out next door when he realizes blanket was taken, and he goes back to the captain's house and uh, and he says, "I am gonna run for DA, right?" And uh, his wife and child, who were also in the house uh, while it was being robbed, and I would like to point out that he not once did he go check on his child <laughs> to see if his child was okay. He just ran out of the house to go complain. Um, <laughs> to go file like, the papers to become DA. You would think his his kid would be traumatized and, like, he would be worried about him. But no, he just was like, uh, I gotta do something about this. Like, you remember the way his father treated him. Oh, that's right. <laughs> I do want to also point out that we later find out his neighbor, the Admiral, has a shotgun or a rifle. And, and uses it yes, and hates at dogs. the drop of a hat to shoot dogs that are in his flower patch. Yet, when the Admiral is robbed, his gun is of little to no use because he doesn't even wake up. So it's only there for dogs, really. <laughs> yeah, guns don't work on people. As a, as a good uh, red-blooded American man in the suburbs, uh, all should have the dog shotgun ready and loaded, apparently. That's what these movies tell us. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Then what happens next, Talia? After he gets robbed for a second time in five minutes. Is this when we flash to the next day and we start the campaign? It's the, uh, mayor. I'm gonna be mayor. See? The one thing I'll say about the campaign is he goes to the mall and starts handing out flyers. He sings his I'm a Shaggy Dog song. I'm the shaggiest dog. Doobie doo wow. <laughs> That's the first movie. But, uh, <laughs> and then he has to go kiss babies. His wife says, oh, you gotta kiss babies. Oh, yeah. 
But she says, not anyone above 16, that's a smack on the head. Yeah, which is a very... <laughs> I, I don't like the line, but... Um, no. uh, 15's fine. Yeah, yeah <laughs> 15's totally fine. He goes up to this baby. The joke is that the baby's covered in chocolate. <laughs> And so then he still has to kiss the baby for some reason. <laughs> Isn't it like a peanut butter sandwich? Whatever it is, it doesn't matter. What matters yeah. is that this kid, who's not really a baby, he's like yeah. six, seven years old, he looks like. Whatever. He's covered in food, chocolate, peanut under butter. 15. He is under 15. <laughs> but the, this this kid looks up at Dean Jones and goes, hello. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. It is the best. It was the best line read I've ever heard. It's it's the best part of this movie. That kid steals the movie. He has one line. The line is a single word. And walking out of it, I'm like, that kid was the star of the film. And that kid was Daniel Day-Lewis. Hey, I, I would like to see Daniel Day-Lewis deliver a single line as iconic as that. It's not possible. All right. So then he's going to do a TV interview on his campaign for DA. And around this time, uh, his son goes to get an ice cream from the local ice cream man in his ice cream truck. And uh, we're introduced to the real star of this movie for some fucking reason. Fuck off. Tim Conway <laughs> playing Tim Conway. Yeah. It's, I don't think he had a script. I'm pretty sure everything he said was improvised. They just pointed a camera at him and he just does uh-huh. the one froggy evening routine because his whole premise in this movie is that he has a dog named Elwood and this is now the dog that Dean Jones turns into in that bizarre half turn into half occupy the body of magic they had from the first Shaggy uh-huh. Dog movie. And Tim Conway's role is he keeps seeing Dean Jones, who looks like Elwood, confronting him and saying, Elwood, how'd you get over here? Dean Jones, like, tells him to shut up. And then he's like, Elwood, when'd you learn to talk? We're going to be rich. I'm going to get you a talk show. His first instinct is to get this dog a talk show once he learns that the dog can talk. America. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's the dream of every dog. He uh, he keeps going back to the same bar. What I don't get is like every time that he has Dean Jones as the dog, he's just like, oh, I got to go. I don't know what the bartender Mac will call him. I got to go get Mac. I got to show him this talking dog. Well, he I'll has show like him. a three-part plan. The plan is I'm going to go to the bar and make 20 bucks. Plan two, get the dog a talk show. Plan three, become a millionaire. It's three steps and he can't get past the first step, which is make 20 bucks at the bar. I just didn't get why he kept going back to there. It seemed like, did he frequent that place before? Because they had one set and they shot it all at the same time and it was just Tim, oh, Con- yeah, that makes Tim sense. Conway improvising yeah. and then they just had to edit it together so they just keep going back to this one set with him riffing on this dog that he claims can sing songs and then the dog doesn't i have so many notes about tim conway in this <laughs> film it's the movie about him and they're all just like so why is why is the ice cream man in this film why are we cutting back to the ice cream man what is the relationship between the ice cream man and this family does everyone on the street know this ice cream man does he have a root or does the ice cream man just sit there all day because like you don't see him out anywhere else except when he goes to the bar that's the only place that he makes ice cream so i was like what how what how why 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 i why he's in so much of this film and it makes no sense to the plot of the film. I'm glad I'm not the only one with this question because when I saw this, I thought, wow, I didn't even bother to learn my local ice cream man's name. They seem to be on a first name basis with him. And he's he's like not driving the ice cream truck. And there's nobody else in the street. It's just the boy. So I'm assuming it's what? 
15 cents that the guy makes a day. And that's if Dean Jones's son goes and buys an ice cream every day, which we find out he's not allowed to. So clearly this man is making no money as an ice cream man. So he really needs that 20 bucks. It reminds me of Superman 3. Right. Yes. Yes. Uh, Richard Pryor is in it. It's not even a Superman yeah. movie. Most of it's about Richard Pryor being a computer hacker. Stealing fractions of sense. Because the producers were like, fuck, I love Richard Pryor. He's so funny. Put him in more of the movie. And in this movie, they're obviously like, like we got Tim Conway. Just keep the camera rolling. Everything he says is gold. Gold, baby. And then they're just, that's just what they had. They just had like 70 minutes of Tim Conway riffing. And then they threw in 20 nonsense minutes with dogs and they called it the Shaggy DA. Oh, yeah. Robert was there in 1976 and he's like, this is the funniest thing I've ever seen. Oh, my God. Keep going, Tim. <laughs> I'm never going to top this. I'm retiring from um, film. I, this <laughs> is the funniest thing that's ever happened. <laughs> yes, this was his magnum opus. Drop, drops the slate, walks off set. The one thing I did like was that he had a, uh, a framed photo of Katarina or whatever her name was in the ice cream truck that he just had at hand. I just liked the commitment to it. He just had a framed photograph, a glass framed photograph in a moving truck. <laughs> he was like hanging on a nail. Yeah, <laughs> I know. So I, I meant an ice cream truck, but the truck moves. It's just like, what? This is commitment to the bit there. And you find out that she waved at him one time in passing. Yeah. That is the entirety of their no, relationship. He's a psychopath. Well, you, you kind of get the impression that like he found out she sold ice cream, so he bought an ice cream truck so he could talk to her like he's that level of psycho <laughs> that's why he's not even trying to sell it the whole thing is just a scheme right. to get close to her yeah he's just hoping some some uh con man is gonna show up with some jewelry that he could buy for her. <laughs> well he clearly has no social skills or friends because the only person he talks to is a dog why is he the lead of the film <laughs> it's not surprising but there's obviously way more screen time for tim conway than dean jones because dean jones is in, like, three scenes. He's just narrating dog stuff for the rest of it. And they just called him Tim. He wasn't about to learn a new character name. He didn't have a script. That's right. He's just in there riffing. So they're just just call him Tim. It's easier. We don't even need to say cut, then. We're just going to keep rolling, and if he starts talking about what's for dinner, that might go in the movie. (laughs) We don't know. (laughs) We need to pad this out. Tim, come here. (laughs) I do want to point out, so this is something that maybe I should have looked into beforehand. Um, this was written by Don Tate. Other credits, Unidentified Flying Oddball. Oh, for fuck's sake. Oh. <laughs> that movie was so much better than this one. No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. It was not, Rob. It's so no, much no, better. No, Rob, you're, it you're so much better. Sorry, Talia. This is a, this is a long-running feud that we have going on here from a previous movie we watched that Rob from lost his mind a over. a week ago? <laughs> Two weeks ago. <laughs> Two weeks ago, right. Sorry. <laughs> so, uh... Tim Conway is the ice cream man where we've introduced to Elwood and um, we know that Dean Jones is going to do his campaign interview. So I think the other thing we got to talk about is at this exact same time, coincidentally, the robbers who stole everything from Dean Jones are touring the museum from the first movie. Have you ever seen any cuter robbers? They go to the museum. <laughs> it's so reminiscent of the first right? film. They're art lovers. Uh, yeah, I wasn't sure if this was just like a, a like a daytime outing for the two of them or if they were actually casing the joint and they just happened to come across a ring. I think they're just getting some culture and uh, then they come across the ring and they're like, oh, two birds with one stone. When you do what you love, you're always working. <laughs> 
You always have to seize the opportunity. And they do. They they steal the ring off screen. Uh, Never explained. This movie makes no fucking sense. So they're touring this museum. This new tour guide. Not Plum Cut. Mentions Plum Cut from the first movie. Because he says, our old curator organized all of this Borgia stuff. And they were magical and turned into dogs. And here's a ring that apparently did some crazy stuff that he told me about. But it's too crazy to even tell you the story. So I won't even bother. Moving on to the next exhibit. And then (laughs) the criminals are looking at this glass case with this magic Borgia ring and they're like, oh, that looks pretty good. And then it just cuts to them with the ring. So like the most interesting part of this trying to fence it, yeah. Fucking stealing from a museum. It's like the entire (laughs) plot of most movies. It's, you know, that's everything (laughs) that happened in The Great Muppet Caper and they do it off screen between scenes two and three in this movie where they steal this priceless artifact from the museum and then they don't know what to do with it. They're just like, what the fuck do we do with this now? <laughs> they also cha- they change the painting for this movie. In his speech about Plum Cut, he says, observe the painting of the Borgia woman allegedly turning her former lover into a dog and she's like pointing at this very upset dog wearing the ring. Whereas in the first movie, it was a different painting of a Borgia woman sitting in a chair wearing an amulet with a dog beside her. And you're like, oh, it's clearly going to be the magic amulet and it ends up being the stupid beetle ring instead. <laughs> right. They fixed the painting because in the first movie they were confused and they made a painting about an amulet and, an then, the amulet. Painting, and then the movie ended up being about a ring and they're like fuck yeah. the painting's about an amulet so they act, this time they actually have a painting with a ring yeah it took them a couple yeah. of years but they're like okay what do we need to fix first the painting yeah. <laughs> 17 years yeah. it took 17 years to fix this this is like the Greedo shooting first scenario they're like we're gonna remake that movie and we're gonna fix that fucking painting <laughs> i have a question now that will need to be answered at the end i think but my assumption from the first film was the dog like with chiffon was like the same breed as the dog as the painting right yeah yep and I thought that was somehow... They say that. It's like a Bratislavian sheepdog. It's a very specific right. breed. Yeah. And so I thought uh, that was part of the magic and that Elwood just so happened to be the same breed of dog that was, you know, in front of his house uh, conveniently in the ice cream man truck. Who... Wait, you're allowed to have dog next to food prep? I mean, like, why is that? That's your problem there? with this movie. No, no, that's where I'm you're drawing saying, the line in suspension like, of disbelief. No, the uh, the the amount of like illogical things that had to happen was just like, and the ice cream man can have a dog. Like, <laughs> fucking hell! Like, yeah, that makes like, sense. Why? I mean, this is also a movie where like two movers just like slam beers in the middle of the street and get in a moving truck without seatbelts and drive off. Yeah, like these movies are written as if the script writing process follows improv rules where like you can only (laughs) say yes (laughs) we need a career for this guy ice cream man okay he's an ice cream man with a dog Okay, uh, he's got a dog. <laughs> and he's always in front of their house. Okay. Um, <laughs> I mean, I saw the movie, this adds Because up. they steal this ring without a plan for how to do it, or for, yeah. without a plan of what to do with it, they end up trying to sell it to Tim Conway, and they, like, walk up to an ice cream man. You get your introduction to the crime boss here, because yeah, yeah, Dean yeah. Jones, you, you see, you get your introduction to Slade, who has a bat phone direct to the crime boss in his office that nobody has It's the reverse out. bat phone. It's like, he's got the commissioner and Batman, and it's the DA and, you know, the crime boss. And that introduces the crime boss, and then you get the second introduction where the crime boss is like, 
You guys are fucking idiots. I can't sell a museum piece. I sell stolen furniture for people. Like, do something else with this. <laughs> yeah. He's basically a glorified pawn shop. And um, and he's like, this is a priceless artifact. What do you think I'm going to do with it? I have nobody who could buy this. <laughs> so their plan B is to go to, to an go ice, to cream, an ice man. cream man. They have two potential targets to sell this to. The <laughs> crime boss. And the first person they see on the street. <laughs> the <laughs> biggest <laughs> idiot that they can find. The hero of this piece. So they go to Tin Conway, an ice cream man who sells ice cream for 15 cents right. a piece. And they say, Mr. Ice Cream Man, will you buy this ring for $500? <laughs> Did you do the math? Yeah. Look it up. Look it up for me. What was this, 1975? What was this movie? 1976. What's $500 in today's money? The suspense is killing me. Plus your bets. 2500 bucks. 76. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> they went up to an ice cream man on the street, <laughs> an ice cream man, and says, ice cream man, would you want to buy this beetle ring for $2,608, please? That was closest. Price is right at $2,600. Look at this man. Has his life together. He has a van. <laughs> he has a van. He has a dog. He's living the dream. He's so rich, he doesn't even need customers. <laughs> <laughs> He did He did invest in the ice cream truck solely to get yeah. a date. So he's the dumbest man they could find. At any rate, he says no. Too rich for his blood. And yeah. so they, their second offer is they go down to five dollars, <laughs> five bucks, five hundred to five. They go down two orders of magnitude. Yeah. I'm very happy that they went all that way because it wasn't another like four minutes of them negotiating. I'm really happy that they just went five to five hundred. But <laughs> that's a big jump. <laughs> For that price, I would have just thrown the ring away <laughs> if I was one of those criminals. There's no point. That's ice cream money. <laughs> well, yeah, because the equivalent is that's 25 bucks, it, yeah, right? Yeah, $26. This is the equivalent of you, like, stealing the Mona Lisa, <laughs> yeah. going up to the first person you see on the street. <laughs> they can't give you $26,000. So you're like, what about 25 bucks for the Mona Lisa? You need to have a better plan. They're not even guessing. It's not like they're like, oh, what is this even worth? They specifically ask the guy. They're like, is this right. precious? At the museum. And the museum owner is like, it's one of a kind. It's fucking magical, apparently. It's priceless. We we can't possibly replace it. It's so amazing. And then he's like, it's probably worth 26 bucks. Yeah. <laughs> what crime circle has such bad connections that you don't know a single celebrity that would buy a stolen museum artifact? Magical yeah. museum artifact. <laughs> <laughs> he knows nobody. The, whatever criminal MCU this place is. What's the name of the town? Medfield. Medfield. Yeah, there's no, there's no celebrities in Medfield. Kurt Russell's the celebrity because he was both the smartest man in the world the strongest man in the world yeah. and invisible. Yes. <laughs> Everybody would know him. They've been looking for him. He's still invisible. That's why they couldn't sell it to him. <laughs> That's why they couldn't sell it to him. You would get used to it. Yeah. Well, I don't know if Kurt would like it. <laughs> it's just a ring floating around. <laughs> just walking through town. <laughs> and then Kurt Russell turns into a dog, but it's an invisible dog. Yeah. Invisible dog. <laughs> a really smart, strong, invisible dog. <laughs> they finally figure out a way to, to do flawless dog special effects. And then they make it invisible. <laughs> Don't. It's just a camera on nothing, and it's Dean Jones' voice going, I'm invisible, and a dog. <laughs> invisible, and a dog. <laughs> like, that would be a really cheap way to make the movie. so cheap. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh shit. That broke me. <laughs> so Tim Conway buys the yeah, ring. We're still not even at the inciting incident. <laughs> well, this is it. Tim Conway buys the ring and he reads the inscription. And in the middle of his DA interview, uh, Dean Jones will be Poochie turns into a dog. So uh, before the interview, uh, they hear a radio uh, news broadcast that the ring had been stolen. And then uh, Poochie has to confess to his wife of, I'm assuming, at least like 10, 15 years uh, that he was <laughs> once turned into a dog. His monologue that he has there, that scene with his wife, I <laughs> I was like, this is pretty good. This is pretty good. <laughs> and his one line, uh, <laughs> he says it the, with like, to, to cap it off, he's something like, um, well, there was this dog in the pa- the dog that lived next door, and he goes, and then I said these words, and I became that dog. Like, his delivery of that was so good. I feel like Dean Jones decided to actually go for it that day. <laughs> like, he went in, that day. You know, he's like, I've heard of this thing called method acting. I try it for this scene, where I really get into it and imagine I was turned into a dog. Because he's like, it's intense. He's like, and I was... Turned into a dog. Yeah, I was that dog. <laughs> <laughs> like it's, it just gets really dark. The camera oh, yeah. gets really close. <laughs> like there's like you know shadow lighting on his face. It's kind of crazy. I'm imagining like full Dustin Hoffman. Like where's Dean? And like they look at the set and he's sleeping in the doghouse and like crawled into set that morning. <laughs> and uh, his wife just kind of says, uh, "I don't got time for this. We're just gonna pretend uh, you never said that. Let's get downstairs to the interview." I mean, shout out for a representation of people who disassociate on Disney. <laughs> <laughs> She's not involved. She's like, nope, didn't happen. Let's go to the interview. That's strange. Don't talk about it. During the interview, or just before it starts, essentially, he turns into a dog and he runs off because he doesn't want to be the shaggy DA, despite the fact that he wrote a song about it. Come on, the irony is palpable. I took a photo of the special effects of his hand uh, as he's holding a mirror and he turns into the dog. And we were talking about unidentified flying oddball where you can see the line where they did the split screen. But whatever they did to, like, roto out his hands, it's like... It's this giant white line that they were trying to hide with the dog hair, but it's, it's, oh God, it's so terrible. The makeup effects, I think, are worse in this one than they are in the Shaggy Dog. I don't know. What do you guys think? I don't know if the makeup effects are worse. Uh, big picture stuff. So in this one, they replace the bad puppet. And the attempt to move the dog's mouth by just having a hand enter the frame and move the dog's mouth (laughs) up and down, which is what they did in the first movie. And in this movie, instead, they just rock the footage back and forth all the time. So anytime the dog talks, all they do is they just put the camera on the dog until the dog opens its mouth once. And then they take those like 10 frames. Oh, it's insufferable. And they rock it back and forth so that the dog's mouth goes up and down, up and down, up and down. And then they just sync that to the dialogue of whoever is talking. Maybe in 1976, if you hadn't seen it before, it might have been a somewhat convincing effect. Like, I kind of feel like maybe it's like a Wilhelm scream thing where like once you're sensitized to it like you you see it and you're like oh my god they're just rocking the footage back and forth and maybe at the time people didn't notice it as much but watching it now it's like holy fuck i hate this please bring back the guy with the hand but just move the dog's <laughs> mouth up and down the other special effect they get for the dog is they put frank oz in a dog costume jumping out the window and holding onto a rope with his opposable thumbs at times especially when he's roller skating like yeah. it doesn't look at all like a dog no it's no. just a woman like wearing furry gloves. (laughs) They're just like, look at that dog. (laughs) 
um, that is one thing that this film is a knock against it is, uh, because I guess they couldn't make a realistic looking dog suit in the shaggy dog they did most of the actual like stunts or acting was they trained the dog to do the tricks right to do these things and in this one they're just like get that dog costume we'll put that person in there <clears throat> so most of the things that we liked about the first one uh aren't even in this film yeah yeah like we wanted the dog to be driving a car and they do it again except for it's clearly just a person in a suit this time no i completely agree the dog acting is abysmal in this film yeah. like there is a dog and i'm sure he's a very good boy or good girl i don't who knows but uh they don't like there's not the same adventurous attitude to what that dog does <laughs> it does climb a ladder and it does punch someone in the face and i really like that <laughs> Okay, the punch is amazing, and we'll get to that. There is one one dog driving. There's one shot of the dog, yeah. but he's not actually driving. But they did get one actual shot of the dog pretending to drive. But then yeah. the rest of it is just Dean Jones dressed as a dog driving, I'm assuming. <laughs> Frank Oz, Bob. Come on. We, we know who was in the costume. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I liked uh, I liked the one thing that was like a callback. They actually got the dog to climb a ladder like they did in the first one. Mm-hmm. It, to me, it feels like that was the one thing that... Robert Stevenson, like, he watched the first one. He's like, we got to get this dog to to climb a ladder. He's like, that's the callback. Well, there's tons (laughs) of callbacks. I mean, they get the neighbor to chase the dog with a gun. They get the dog to drive a car, and there's a car chase. The dog stops a notorious crime ring. (laughs) Not an international one, this one, a domestic one, but still very similar. They hit the same beats as the first movie, which is crazy to me, because the first movie sucked. Why would you just do it again? I I guess because it was so successful, but whatever. Like this time we'll beat Ben Hur. <laughs> We're gunning for you, Ben. So he's Poochie's turned into a dog, and that's because uh, the 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 ice cream man reads the inscription, and so the magic for whatever reason only transfers for whatever reason to Poochie. It's not that <laughs> Tim, the ice cream man, has the ring and is sitting adjacent to the dog and says the words over and over again. He doesn't turn no, into the dog. Poochie turns into the dog. This movie should be about a dog who sells ice cream. Right. Like, they were setting it up with, with Tim being the main character and everything. And the health inspector is the enemy. <laughs> See? <laughs> this movie writes itself. It's a much you better movie. Yeah. I also found it strange that it's been 17 years since the last moment that all it takes is for one person to literally read the ring once and he turns into a dog. Like, nobody at the museum has read this ring in 16 years. Right. Or 17 years. You can see it's a glass case. You could read it from the Anyone outside. Anyone looking yeah. in the ga- glass case could see the inscription. Uh-huh. Like nobody's read it? Literacy is a problem in Midland. (laughs) (laughs) Well, their basis of education is literally plugging someone's brain into a computer, so... the professors can't teach because they're absent-minded. Yeah. This is the callback to Moochie, where his son is trying to get the dog, his dad, to do tricks, and his dad's like, son, go fuck yourself. I'm your father. I'm not actually a dog. (laughs) And this is a callback to why he didn't check on his son during the burglary. (laughs) Because he hates his son. And then he runs down the block and gets into a fight with the dog named Brutus. I mean, I don't know what goes on in the kennel, but then when he comes out, he comes out on all fours and is Dean Jones again. Well, it just wears off randomly. This movie is just about it randomly wearing off until someone reads it again. Now yeah. that he knows that somebody has the ring, he sets out to find the ring, right? So, yeah, I uh, I did I did make one note that uh, we got Dean Jones barking like a dog, uh, like Million Dollar Duck. Which one came out first? Million Dollar Duck. Okay, so he's there's a callback to his barking at the, at the duck. Or maybe... When Million Dollar Duck came out, Ron Miller was like, wait a second. <laughs> that's some excellent that's some barking. Excellent barking. <laughs> I'm going to catch 
ass in my next film. You're really good at that. Yeah, that, that's why they didn't make a sequel for 17 years. He was like, I need someone who can bark. And it wasn't until he saw the million dollar duck. I did like how um uh, he always said woof woof and it never fooled anybody. Like it happened like three different times and everyone was just like, did that dog just say woof? <laughs> <laughs> I, d- I thought that was actually funny. That also plays to another issue I have with this movie is for because Brutus is the first other dog to talk. Brutus doesn't talk because that's it comes out of nowhere. Right. Because he does interact with Brutus and Brutus just barks at him and he talks to Brutus. But Brutus does not talk back because Brutus is a dog. That is well-established rules of this universe that we are operating within. Um, However, cut to 30 minutes later, it's when Tim Conway the second time takes him to the bar (laughs) to prove that he's a singing dog or whatever. And for some reason, Dean Jones is going along with it and he's like practicing the song to go into the bar to make Tim Conway 40 bucks, which is the plot of this movie. It devolves into trying to make Tim Conway 40 bucks. And so he's rehearsing this song and this dog walking past looks up and is just like, you call that singing? And watching the movie, we're like halfway into the movie. And at this point, I was like, what the fuck just happened? (laughs) What was that? It blew my mind. Because I honestly was like, did someone else get turned into a dog? That's what I thought, too. Why is that dog talking? I I think it's that he can understand the dogs because he's a dog. But I don't understand that because he doesn't speak dog because he says woof and nobody believes him. (laughs) But he can when he can speak English to the other dog and the dogs talk English back. Yeah. And, like, the dogs he's talking to are criminals. Oh, they're wise guys. They are clearly, like, mafia dogs from the East Coast. He gets put into the pound, and all of the dogs are characters from old Warner Brothers gangster movies. Mm -hmm. There's somebody doing a James Cagney impression. There's a Humphrey Bogart impression. There's a Peter Lorre impression. It's just these, like, stereotype gangster movie voices that all of the dogs have. And it's supposed to be a joke, but the whole time I kept going, since when? When can dogs talk? <laughs> when did this happen? I'm not going to lie. I uh, I had to go do something else. So I started making some food for myself uh, about the second time that he went to the bar. I was still listening to it. So I actually missed that dog that said, that's not, you call that singing. I didn't hear that part. I just thought it was somebody walking by on the street. Uh, I thought the first time the dogs talked was in jail. Uh, and I, wanted, I was like, why isn't he making a bigger deal out of this? <laughs> To him, this should be quite shocking that other dogs can talk to him and communicate. So they're in the they're in the pound, right? They say you've got three days to live, basically, before you're going to be killed, euthanized. Like, it's a pretty dark scene. There's one singing like the nobody knows the trouble I've seen from Spaceballs. <laughs> for, yeah, that's where it's from. Yeah. They wrote the song for that movie. <laughs> okay, so clearly I'm just going to back up to kind of like get us up to where we are in the yeah, movie okay. here. So Dean Jones, he's looking for the ring. Tim Conway has the ring. I'm trying to remember. Oh, yeah, okay. How does he find out that Tim... Oh, it's just his son. His son goes to buy another ice cream, and his son tells the ice cream man, we're looking for this magic ring. And then Tim Conway's like, I have that magic ring, and I've been turning people into dogs with it. Bunch (laughs) of Warner Brothers gangsters. Um, um, So then they're like, oh, Tim Conway has it. And then Tim Conway had given it to his girlfriend, who lost it in a pie. What a fucking ridiculous plot. This is so stupid. 
She lost it in a pie. This is the thing Robbie was talking about. Is he says, like, dogs can't be involved in food prep. He's serving the food. He's not preparing the food. You definitely can't wear jewelry when preparing food, and you definitely cannot take your ring off, put it above the shelf where you are preparing food. Well, that's what she did, and then she lost the ring in a pie. So then they have to search for the ring in a pie, and he offers $2,000 to whomever finds it. And so then they go mad, mad, mad world, and everybody in yeah. town starts throwing pies at each other to try to find this $2,000 ring. And uh, the the gangsters just so happen to be walking outside the pie fight, get hit in the head with a pie, and they get the ring back. And uh, and so they try and fence it again. They go up to another parked car. And in that moment, I had, I was so hopeful. Like, I was like, oh, does this mean the ice cream man is going to be out of this film? Because they give the ring to somebody else. (laughs) And I was like, are we done with the ice cream man? We're not. Spoiler alert. He's in the whole thing. He becomes a bigger part of the film. Exactly. He's he's in so much more of the film. So they try to fence it to, again, the first person that they see. Yeah. Um, And this time it's a cop because they're the worst fucking criminals in the world. The cops confiscate the ring and it goes into evidence. And then Dean Jones is like, good, the cops have it. And then we cut to Slade having the ring. Because he's corrupt. He's the DA. He steals it, right? That's what I thought. Because I sat there for a while being like, how the fuck did he get the ring? Because this is also, by this point in the movie, uh, Dick Van Patten has figured out that Dean Jones is the shaggy dog. The, the king from Spaceballs. Yeah, the king, the king from Spaceballs figures out that Dean Jones is the dog. He's like, get me some dirt on him. And he goes back to his boss and is like, I've, he's, he's a dog. It's the best dirt in the possible world. Basically what happens, so yeah, Dick Van Patten is Slade's second in command. And Slade is the current DA whom Poochie is now running against to be the shaggy DA. And Slade is also the evil criminal who is a connection to organized crime. So Dick Van Patten is trying to get dirt on Poochie. And so he goes to this speech that Poochie is giving and he sees Poochie giving a speech. Poochie ducks down. And then moments later, he sees a dog wearing glasses. And so his first instinct is to say, I bet you. Yes will be turned into that dog. Makes the most sense. And somehow he turns out to be correct. Like, (laughs) it's the most ludicrous leap in logic, but it turns out to be correct. And so, I guess, points to him that he deduced it from that. The close-up on his face where he's putting it together is so funny because, you know, like the the direction (laughs) was like, all right, now this is the moment where you see the dog in glasses. Sell me on this, Dick. Sell me on it. Now, you (laughs) you believe (laughs) that that will be, or you followed me, that this is man turned is into turned into a dog, a dog. somehow. Act that out. Give me the. Show me this. Show me this. This movie is teaching me. I should start putting glasses on dogs in real life. You will just blow some <laughs> Dick Van Patten's mind. I swear to you, you turn into a dog. The dog was wearing glasses. <laughs> And then Slade buys it. He's like, yeah, that sounds right. He turns into a dog. He he, he does test it out and see that, oh, yeah, it turns him into a dog when I read this inscription. But Makes I got to point out here that Slade's plan is he goes to him and he says, drop out of the race or I'm going to turn you into a dog. And Poochie is like, nah, I'm in it to win it, bitch. <laughs> and then he goes, all right, so my plan B is to murder you. He turns him into a dog and then is like, please have him sent to the pound and executed. Yes. And they send him to the pound, and then they call the pound, and they're like, orders from the governor, euthanize him now. So, this is, we can't skip over this. He's in the DA's office. He's in Slade's office, and he's like, you're going to the pound. And then Dean Jones says, not on your life, pal. And the dog stands up and punches Dick Van Patten in the face. (laughs) It's the best. (laughs) 
And I could not stop laughing. I rewound it four times. He stands on two legs and they do the punch sound effect. He goes full Obi-Wan Kenobi and just first instinct is to jump out the window. And it's an awful dog costume of a man like repelling down a window, through the window. And you're like, eh, I mean, I get why they didn't throw the dog out the window. I'm glad they didn't, but. You turn the camera on its side and have it the dog just walk down the wall. <laughs> like Batman? <laughs> Walking down the side of the <laughs> You already have Tim Conway. Tim Conway's totally one of the per- people who would, like, stick his head out the window in Batman. <laughs> That's true. Hellwood? <laughs> he sees him running down. <laughs> All right, so he steals the ice cream truck, and there's an initial car chase because they're like, what worked in the first movie? The car chase. So the dog drives the car for a bit, except it's not actually a dog driving a car. It's a guy in a dog costume, and it's just coverage and compositing, and it's, eh. And then he crashes the car. He goes to the dog pound. He finds out every other dog can talk, and they're all Warner Brothers gangsters. There's a mass level of corruption involved here, where, like, the DA gets in his car, and he chases after them, and he gets not only the dog warden involved, he calls the police to, like, chase this rabid dog, and then... Dangerous dog. It's a dangerous dog. I need all available units, and so they send, like... all of the cars to go chase a dog. I was like, wow, this this guy is corrupt. We need, they need a new DA. Like, this is an abuse of power. Like, he's, as Sean said, he's doing this to murder his competition. And yeah. then he is captured by Piglet. Yeah, so the actor's name is John Fiedler, and I could not see him as anything other than Piglet. It's very distracting. I could not see, as Sean said, I could not see anybody but Piglet. It was really weird. When uh, when Piglet was leading the dog to, like, the gas chamber or wherever they were going to euthanize him, I was like, Piglet, no, what are you doing? Please stop. It was super dark. They're going to kill this this yeah. man in a dog body. And all of those other yeah. men who are clearly yes. men in dog bodies. Yeah. I'm assuming other men. rings turn yeah. them into I, dogs. I'm assuming that at this point, the DA realized he had the power <laughs> to turn all of his enemies into dogs and euthanize that night. Those are all of his co-conspirators. He's just cleaning house. That's why they're all gangsters. <laughs> but anyway, he helps the dogs break out and they all break out of the pound. Uh, we're at the end, right? We're at the ending, pretty much the climax. Yeah, the- there's still like 30 minutes, but it's like the the third act, I guess. Yeah. I do want to point out this one thing. Okay, sorry. I do have something to say. So... He breaks up with the dogs, and then he goes back home. The neighbor tries to shoot him, because that's just what happens in all these movies. The neighbor's like, I got a gun, and that's a dog. I'm going to shoot the dog. Crazy town they live in. But he goes to his wife. He sneaks in the window, and his wife comes out. And he's still a dog, mind you, at this point. And his wife is like, Wilby, you're home. And then he says, I have to stop Slade, because if Slade catches me, he's going to rub me out. And then his wife, in the most nonchalant and like low impact reading ever goes oh no (laughs) i was shocked at that line reading i was like your husband just said someone's trying to kill him and your response is oh no will be clearly she she doesn't like him he didn't care about their child to check on him after they got robbed she's so excited for him to be da because she thinks that he's going to be busy all the time and never home so the fact that someone is taking him out is a is a is a positive for her i guess so because she really didn't seem that upset she was like oh no that's definitely not what i want so the third movie is a shaggy divorce (laughs) (laughs) so like who takes the kid who gets the kid who gets the kibble who gets the leash? Who gets the ring? And then the judge reads it in the courtroom and he turns into a dog. <laughs> right. So Slade, the DA, the corrupt DA, has been, he has the ring and he's just been saying the words over and over constantly. So, so Wilby can't change back into a human. So literally like after the second time he goes to the bar, he hasn't changed back into a human at all, right? 
Yeah, because Slade is just in his office reading it over and over and over again. And should have turned into a dog. Uh, Dick Van Patten says to him, you better not read that too many times. You might get sensitized and turn into a dog yourself. And then he's like, shut up. Yeah. <laughs> and then he just keeps reading his it. His plan to take out Slade, uh, Poochie's plan to take out Slade, is he hires the ice cream man. <laughs> um... <laughs> To impersonate one of the gangster's goons, go to the DA's house, to Slade's house, and say, See here, Slade, I'm not gonna be giving you any more money, see? You're off the gravy train, see? And then Slade goes, Oh, that ice cream man, uh, clearly is a gangster and not an ice cream man, who he met selling ice cream before. Like, <laughs> the Slade goes to the gangster. Like, it works. It shouldn't work. It makes no fucking sense. But then they follow him. They're like, he'll lead us right to the criminal enterprise. And then he does. And then they follow Slade there. And then he records Slade talking to the crime boss by, like, carrying a tape recorder into the office with his little dog mouth. I gotta say, this was the closest the movie got to some yeah. dog acting, and I kind of liked yeah. it. It's kind of fun seeing a dog try to, like, eavesdrop on some people by carrying a tape recorder into the office and then pressing play. That's fun. Yeah. Then they tape record him, like, convicting himself, and then Slade is like, holy fuck, that dog's tape recording me! <laughs> so, <laughs> he, like, takes out his I, gun and starts I made a shooting. note of this, because uh, he tape record the evil thing and then the dog grabs a tape recorder in its mouth keep in mind it's a giant like shaggy dog right and it's running away and Slade from the other room says that dog's tape recording me and the dog is like on the other side of a warehouse not facing him how could he possibly have known that it made no sense I mean out of a movie that makes absolutely no sense this was just like the final straw for me I was like come on this makes no sense you're there with your bowl of soup and you're like I've had it <laughs> <laughs> that is how I always imagine Robbie watching these movies. <laughs> the bowl of soup. <laughs> but the spoon fell into the bowl, so you have to slurp it. He was so mad at the movie, he dropped the spoon in the soup. <laughs> I have to get another spoon to take the spoon out, and I drop that spoon too. It's just a bowl full of spoons. There's more spoon than the soup. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you've had dinner with us before. That's a perfect Robbie impression. <laughs> <laughs> It's more spoon than soup. It's more spoon than soup. <laughs> so dumb. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> the other dogs show up. The gangster dogs show up. And then there's another car chase. <laughs> Jesus. You, you haven't had enough of them so far. This is like the third one in the fucking movie. And this one ends because Slade then randomly turns into a dog. Sort of randomly. It does pay off the fact that he was reading The Ring for like six hours. And so the magic finally caught up to him and he turns into a dog. But it does happen at a random moment. Or he's like, I'm going to get you. And then it's just poof, he's a Whose dog. Whose dog does he turn into? Right? That's the thing. Is the magic is the shaggy dogs from the painting and the bourgeois. It's just a random bulldog. I mean, was I happy that we saw a bulldog holding a briefcase smoking? Yes. Yes. <laughs> but like certainly there's someone who's concerned that's like where's my dog I hope he's not smoking <laughs> he has very weak lungs <laughs> I certainly hope he's not holding the briefcase he can't do any more work he also has weak paws the breed has both weak lungs and paws <laughs> my vet advised me he shouldn't do any smoking or briefcase work I thought it was too specific but it turned out she was right now you're gonna think this is specific but you won't believe how many times it comes up <laughs> Don't let this dog do any smoking 
talking and don't let her carry a briefcase. In this town, everyone has a specific plot. Did you ever hear about the kid who became invisible and was the smartest man in the world <laughs> and was the strongest man in the world? <laughs> Anything's possible, okay? <laughs> That's basically the end of the movie. He gets the ring back. Presumably, it goes back to the museum where anyone can look into the glass case and read it again. They don't specify where the ring goes. It's a Raiders of the Lost Ark ending where it's like top men. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> like the ring is being <laughs> packed away in a warehouse full of like wooden crates. I assumed uh, his wife just uh, keeps it and threatens to <laughs> say the words if he's uh, if, she's, if he's doing shit that she doesn't like. That's the start of the shaggy divorce. <laughs> like, give me those papers or else. Like, then like yep. cuts to the dog like with his lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> Signing the piece of paper as the dog. How did they not do the shaggy divorce? I'm, I'm 100% sold on this. Like, that really should have been the third movie. <laughs> Maybe it's the Tim Allen version. It's a perfectly logical character arc. It's it's like the before trilogy. <laughs> He's a rambunctious teenager. He becomes a lawyer, but he works too hard, and then he gets yes. divorced. It's really the everyman story. Yeah. He would have been fine if he was never a dog. It's the one thing our marriage couldn't handle. <laughs> Shaggy divorce. And then uh, we end the film with the lead character, uh, the ice cream man, uh, who's getting married to his roller derby fiance, uh, and he has adopted all of the dogs from the pound. All of the gangster dogs. He's been forced to adopt all of the gangster dogs. That's the movie! Is okay. it? <laughs> uh, do we have anything? I guess so. Talia, what did you think about the movie? I don't know. Like, the first Shaggy Dog, like, it has its problems, but there was something very charming about it. I don't know. I found that this one actually, uh, like, there's some certain very small moments, like one second, like, the baby's hello, even the wife's smile when they're taking their picture when he's covered with peanut butter and jelly. I laughed so hard at that. That smile is good. Like, no, it was so good. I was like, there's really fun reactions. So it's worth it for that. It was fun for that. So out of the two movies that you've seen so far, where would you rank this one? Out of the two movies? Number two. I was below Shaggy <laughs> Dog. Ouch. Okay. Rob, I'm going to go to you next. I must have been too busy making soup to notice all the reaction shots. Because <laughs> um, uh, I, uh, I, <laughs> I put this one. I mean, I did not like this film. And... It was just all varying degrees of bad at the bottom. So I just decided to put this one below the shaggy dog. So it's just, they're, they're hand in hand, both not good films. Uh, it is number 30. Uh, so shaggy dog is 29. The shaggy DA is worse and it's 30. Uh, it's worse because they only do the one trick or two tricks, whatever it is with the dog. And the rest is just really bad dog special effects. Bobby, what did you think? Okay. So. Movie head dog punching man in face. Oh, it does. <laughs> you raise a valid point, Bobby. I forgot about that. <laughs> Which makes it better than Flying Oddball. I think I'm going to put this maybe below High School the Musical. And, like, I really didn't like High School the Musical, but, like, this was this was pretty bad. Like, this movie is, like, just varying degrees of not good at different times, and then just kind of ends no matter how many times i correct you you keep calling it high school the musical like you refuse to give it the correct title it's very telling that's how much i hate that movie and like yet somehow i hated the shaggy da more i i did not have this below high school the musical uh i also <laughs> did not have it below the shaggy dog oh it was higher for you i'm putting this above the shaggy dog i do think the dog acting is worse but i 
also think there were things that made me laugh in this movie. And there was almost nothing in the Shaggy Dog that actually made me laugh. Like, the Shaggy Dog was just dog acting, dog drives car. This movie, it had some chuckles. I, I found some of it amusing, some of it charming. It had the baby saying, hello. It had the dog punching the man. It had the weird shift halfway through where all dogs can talk. It just, like, rattled my brain. I think it's a more interesting movie than than The Shaggy Dog. Uh, I, I think I'm also going to put it above Kid in King Arthur's Court. And you know what? I'm going to put it above The Three Musketeers because fuck that movie. <laughs> I, I struggle with that myself. I hate that movie, too. That is, uh, like, 27 or so for me. It's a little bit above what you guys have. Not quite the number two that Talia has it at, but... Uh, You're all wrong. You know, we can't all love it quite as much. <laughs> We're all wrong. <laughs> this is her D2, The Mighty Ducks. So this movie came out the same year as um, Freaky Friday. So we've already talked about 1976. How did it do in the box office? Did it outgross Ben-Hur? <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, no. It grossed pretty much the same as the first one with a 17-year difference. So whereas the yeah. first one was shockingly successful, this movie was successful because I'm pretty sure it had a budget of like a million dollars and it made like 10. It was nowhere near the number two movie of the year like the first movie was. It was more like a like a mid-level hit. But Disney, I'm sure, was still That's happy. That's still insane to think I know. about. That the Shaggy Dog was number two behind Ben It made her. more than Some Like It Hot. I'm still never going to wrap my head around it. I might have to put the Shaggy D.A. over the Shaggy Dog just for that point. I might have to switch my rating (laughs) just out of spite for the Shaggy Dog making so much money. Flip it. It's number 29. The Shaggy Dog is number 30. (laughs) Yes. The Shaggy D.A. is, yeah. We're winning you over, Shaggy D.A. all the way. Does anyone have anything else to add about this movie before we move on? I tried really hard to see what brand of skateboard that kid was riding. <gasps> oh, we almost got bored in the background with Bob. We but almost you didn't did. See it? Um, by the t- he doesn't flip it over until the very end of the movie, and it's oh, blank. No. I-, I can't really like zoom in. I wanted to even see what the trucks or wheels are, but like I, I tried really hard, and it just I-, I wasn't able to do it this round. So I'm sorry, guys. I let you down. That's all right. That's all right. We'll save it for next time. All right, Talia. I do have a request for you, though. Just like last time you were here, Uh-oh. we do. Need you to help us out a little bit. I need you to say the title of the show. It's called The Podcast War Tennis Shoes, but I need you to say it in a specific way. Would you like some direction? Yes, absolutely. You're a dog, and you're in the pound, and you're also a gangster. Yeah. You have a secret plan for tunneling out of the pound, and the secret plan has a name. And one of the other gangsters says, Hey, what's the name of the plan, eh? And then you tell them, See the podcast war tennis shoes. See, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, well, Talia, we'd love to have you back again. Um, I don't think we're gonna do another Shaggy Dog movie. <laughs> um, if you have a pick, please let us know. But thanks again for coming on the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me back again. And any kind of dog centered movie. Or baseball-related movie with Joseph Gordon-Levitt? I'm there. <laughs> well, like, 95% of the movies are dog-related. And or, or baseball-related. A lot of them are baseball-related, too. There's a lot to choose from. Oh, we forgot to say what we're doing next week, though. What are we doing next week? Do we know? Fuck, I don't know. Okay, so what we're doing next week is, it's one of two things. It is either cocktail. We're going to do a drinking game to Tom Cruise's cocktail. Or it's high school musical. Maybe it'll finally come out. I don't know. 
Who's in control? It's not me. <laughs> Tune into one of those things. It's going to be great. And that's the show. If you have a suggestion for a movie we should cover next time, send us an email at thepodcastwartennisshoes at gmail.com. We can also be reached on Facebook and Twitter at podwar. That's at P-O-D-W-O-R-E. And if you like the show, give us a good review on your podcast platform. It really helps us out. We hope you tune in next time. Thanks.